The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Yesterday, as we were in the last parts of Mark chapter 4, I was reading ahead a little bit, and there in uh, verse 40, after calming the storm, there was a storm on the Sea of Galilee, and Jesus said, Peace be still. And he asked his disciples, Why are you so fearful, and how is it that you have no faith? Well, hi, Alex McFarland here, along with Bert Harper, and you're listening to Exploring the Word, and uh, it's going to be a great day on the show, and we've got a very special friend we want you to meet in just a moment. But, Bert, those are good questions that we need to remind ourselves. Uh, We serve the God who can calm the storm. He can say, Peace, be still. And uh, why be fearful, and why have puny faith when we serve the God who's above the storm and able to control it. Amen. In the opening chapters of the book of Mark, he demonstrates his power over demons, his powers over diseases, his power over the the nature. And later on, when Jairus' daughter's healed, his power over death. That's mm. who Jesus is. So we can, we can really depend on him. Well, Alex, you mentioned our guest today, and you yes. want to you go ahead and give him a good introduction. I'll second. Well, you know, in in my thirteen plus years of being involved with the American Family Association, it's been a great blessing to get to know Joseph Parker. And um, there's a program called the Hour of Intercession, and we've been on there together a number of times. And then, uh, you know, I'm very indebted to him. He's helped me get a speaking engagement or two. But we just appreciate him so much. And Joseph, it is really an honor to have you on Exploring the Word right now. It's a privilege to be back on. And God bless you. Let me share with you, I go way back years ago before I ever came to the radio program, uh, Joseph would do overnights. And uh, do you remember those days, Pastor Joseph? I remember. (laughs) And I I would be making my way from Memphis to Tupelo or from Birmingham to Tupelo and I'd always know I was getting close as I could tune in and hear Joseph, and it was overnight always that common, common voice that he has. And uh, you've got me through several nights that way, Pastor Joseph, and I thank praise, you, man. Praise the Lord. All and right. you're still doing that an hour of intercession, although you don't stay up to do that one. You record that one ahead of time. <laughs> Isn't it modern but, but, technology wonderful? It's a blessing. It's a blessing in so many ways. <laughs> but in those days, you were here at the studio doing the overnight. When they heard me, I was here. So, yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> so advantages wow. have come. But we've Alex, he's here for a different reason. And uh, this started several years ago, and I remember it, and we were talking about it. It's Ten Commandments. How important are the Ten Commandments, Pastor Joseph? Well, you know, I think it's it's powerful for us to think about this, that, you know, we find the Ten Commandments in their entirety in two places, Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5. Yet what's powerful to me is that it's, amongst other things, like a wonderful teaching curriculum God gives us in His Word. And in a very real sense, it summarizes the wisdom of the entire Word of God in those basic terms. And so, but it's the moral law of God, and it's eternal in its wisdom. Yeah. Alex, so he's developed a contest. Uh, do you want to – my wife and I, we were talking about the Ten Commandments, and she is a great teacher of children. And she came across this the other uh, several years ago about using your ten fingers and using them to remember the Ten Commandments. One, you know, and that goes all the way to ten, and she has hand motions for it. And it really did work. It helps her. We were going over the Ten Commandments today, and she, using her hand motions, could get every one of them. So, uh, Alex, the contest is so, is it for children and youth? Well, it's it's called, overall, it's called the Ten Commandments Project, and the speech contest is one of the three aspects of the project. Uh, the speech contest this year just happens to focus on the uh, the commandment, honor your father and your mother. And uh, uh it's uh, again, as I said, one of the three different sides of the broadcast um, of the program. Uh, specifically, the deadline is April 26th for us to receive the videos of the speeches. But we mm-hmm. invite children ages six to 18 to send in a speech. And 
uh, we ended up deciding not to put a time limit on it because the younger kids tend to have shorter speeches, but they have wonderful, powerful speeches. And so we really wanted to be sure we included the young kids as well. But a videotape of them sharing a speech that focuses on that commandment. And uh, one of the great sides of it is it, it's a wonderful tool for discipling kids because they have to do their Bible research and their knowledge research, background information about this, uh, the topic. And uh, also, typically, we have the kids to come on uh, the Hour of Intercession to, to both share their speech and have their parents come on and talk about what they saw change or how they saw their kids grow through being involved in the project. And that ends up being a pretty exciting part of the project as well. So the speech contest is one part. Another one is simply if a child memorizes the Ten Commandments, recites them to their dad or mom, they can just call the radio station and say, my son or daughter recited them, give you their size and their mailing address, and we'll mail them a Ten Commandments t-shirt that has the Ten Commandments listed on the back. And the last part is where we we lead them sometimes, but we encourage individuals or churches to lead a six-week teaching program where you teach through the Ten Commandments. And we encourage people to use movie clips because we found those to be very helpful teaching tools with the kids. But teaching the meaning of the Ten Commandments as well as give the kids a chance to memorize the Ten Commandments as well. And as we've done those here in Tupelo and other areas of Mississippi as well, and it's been a a fruitful project and, and a fun project in a number of ways. Joseph, uh, hi, this is Alex here. I, I think this is so wonderful because, you know, one of the things that Bert and I really are, you know, very passionate about is biblical literacy and encouraging right. people of all ages, of course, to know the Word of God, but especially children. So I, I know we've probably got a, an email address or two or a phone number. How can people, when they, they film, I want to make sure we get this out, like a three to five minute speech, children six to 18, of reciting the Ten Commandments and giving, you know, explaining what they mean to them. How can people submit these videos? Well, they can email the video to uh, my email, jparker at afa.net. Again, that's jparker at afa.net. Or can they, can, they can just send them to faq at afa.net. Either way, and they'll get to me. Mm-hmm. And that is so awesome. Let me just, the first year you did this, our two of our grandsons, uh, uh, Jude and Caleb, we had them on, on our program of exploring missions with mm-hmm. you, and they had learned their their Nana. Uh, mm-hmm. My wife, Jan, had taught them the Ten Commandments, and they were going over it. And, and it, it's exciting to hear them know those commandments. I'm speaking from personal knowledge of that. It really right. does stay with them, won't it? it? It's not. I know they learn it, and a lot of times it's short-term. I understand that. But once you get God's Word in your heart, even in that, it stays with you for a while, doesn't it? It really does. And you know, a a very important truth that believers, I think, we just really need to be mindful of is I think of, in quoting Romans 1.16, it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. There's power in God's Word. Power to save, power to encourage, power to strengthen. And so, one of the when we as parents and believers are wise enough to help our children memorize any and any of the Word of God, there's power to strengthen, to grow, to develop us that kid our kids need. Yeah. Hmm. And and you know what, this will stay with a young person forever. You know, mm-hmm. because I mean Isaiah fifty five says the Word of God does not return void. And you know I I'm fifty nine now, and I think about memory verses I learned in Bible school. Mm-hmm. even before I knew the Lord personally. And so, Joseph, this is such a good thing, and I just want to say how I appreciate you and and all that you stand for, because uh, I think this is going to inspire a lot of young people. And and let me say this. Young people love contests. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- this right. is great. Mm-hmm. And, and I know there are some... There are some prizes that are up for grabs uh, in this contest. Am I correct? Yes, for the speech contest. And again, as I said, the the deadline is April 26th. That's just a little over a month away, so there's really really plenty of time. But first place uh, in the speech contest is $150, second place $125, third place $100, fourth $80, and fifth place $50. Uh, But, you know, one thing I would say very clearly it's a contest, and you know it's so it's a competition. But in reality, 
any child that participates wins in such a critically important way because they've taken the time to put together a speech that's going to impact them for the rest of their life in a good way. Mm-hmm. But also we encourage the kids to ask their pastor for the chance to share their speech at church. Now, when we've done this Amen. for the last two years, we've uh, a small percentage actually have done that. But uh, And I would say this, from time to time you may have uh, pastors that are a little hesitant, but from my perspective... As a pastor, I'd put I'd put kids up fifty two Sundays out of a year if they ask for the opportunity. <laughs> Amen. Because Amen. we in the church desperately need to put our children to work, and they're a wonderful resource for us all. Amen. Well, to give us give us those email addresses again, and uh, let it, write it down. You're listening. You may be a grandparent. You may be a parent. Write it down so you can have it and share it with your grandchildren. And uh, so I hope this is enough information. And if you need more information, remember, this is podcast. So you can go to Exploring the Word and look at that in the first segment, and you'll hear all about it. But give us those email addresses again. Again, my email is jparker at afa.net, or you can send it to faq at afa.net. Either one will get to us. And, of course, the number here to call if you're just wanting your grandchild or child to get their T-shirt after they recite them to you, 662-844-5036. Okay. Pastor mm-hmm. Joseph, thank you, brother. Thank you so much. Appreciate brother, you so much. thank you for all that mean, you mean to us and to the kingdom, Joseph. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much. With that in mind, Alex, you know, it means a lot to us, and the listener stories means a lot that we have as it comes up here for a share happening. So I want to give this out because uh, this is the last day that we're asking. Now, you can still call in if you write the number down and still call in and share your story about how AFR has blessed you. It may be that it's been the hour of intercession with Joseph Parker exploring the word. Uh, it, it might be today's issues. It could be Abe Hamilton. It could be whatever. And that number, if you would call and just share a, how AFR or one of the programming has blessed you, strengthened you, that number, 877-876-8893, 877-876-8893. Alex, when we're doing share and we have these, I want to just tell you, it blesses me to hear the difference that God has made in people's life using AFR. Well, the Lord is using this, and we're all a part of it. And listeners, we're so glad you're with us. When we come back, we're going to continue in Mark 4 and into Mark 5, plus your calls and Bible questions on this edition of Exploring the Word. Stay with us. This is Pause to Pray. A chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Senator Deb Fisher of Nebraska. She is the state senior senator and has previously served in the state legislature. Acts 20.28 reminds us of the responsibility of leadership. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God which he obtained with his own blood. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask you to guide Senator Deb Fisher as she represents the people of Nebraska. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Dr. Tony Evans says some people think salvation is not only free, but profitable. In fact, there's a story in Luke 9:57 about a man who offers to follow Jesus without realizing that discipleship costs, as we spend two minutes with Tony. The foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Now, say what? He thought it was a guarantee to riches. And fame. There's a theology out called prosperity theology. That's where the preacher tells you, come to Jesus and get your new BMW. <laughs> come to Jesus and get your new Benz. Come to Jesus and get your new 4,000 square foot house. Come to Jesus and get your new designer suits. 
There's nothing wrong with the Benz. There's nothing wrong with the BMW. There's nothing wrong with the four-bedroom house. But Jesus isn't calling you to him just so he can give you cookies and candy. He's not calling you to him just so that you can get more stuff. He does bless and he does honor. There's nothing wrong with making a better salary and living in a better neighborhood. But please don't let that be your motivation for following him. He says, listen, following me can often lead you in places where foxes are better off than I am. Following me can lead you into places where birds are better off than I am. I want you to follow me with no guarantees. And that's why a lot of times he doesn't tell you where he's going to lead you first. He doesn't say, follow me and let me tell you where I'm going to take you so that you can negotiate whether you're going to follow. No, he says, you follow me because it's me you're following. A relationship with Jesus requires surrender, but we get so much more than we give up. Find out more about what it means to be a real Christian and learn about the amazing ways it can change your life. Visit TonyEvans.org today and click on the link that says Jesus. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Amen. Thank you for listening to Exploring the Word here on the American Family Radio Network. We're in, this is Exploring the Word. We're in the book of Mark. And, and Alex already read a scripture from chapter 4, uh, verse 40 and 41. But let me share this with you. We had, a, we had someone that emailed us and we wanted to know what did God expect those apostles to do? They were on the boat. The storm had come. Were they to just see it through, jump off? What were they to do? They went to talk to Jesus, and then Jesus called, said, Oh, you of little faith. I thought it was a good question, but Alex, the promise is in verse 35. If you miss verse 35, I, I think you miss a lot of what this story is about because Jesus said, Let us cross over to the other side. Now, regardless right. of how big the storm was, Regardless of how that boat or ship would wave and, and crash against the waves, what did they have? The promise of getting to the other side. That, I, that is, that's where you start, and because of that, then you can have peace even in the midst of the storm, knowing he's going to see you through. Amen. Well, if you look down there at verse 38, uh, Bert, do I detect a little bit of sarcasm and perhaps frustration <laughs> in the way they ask the question. They go down, Jesus was asleep, and they say, Master, do you not care that we perish? Uh, isn't it something that the Lord, you know, he didn't rebuke them for the way they asked their question, but he got up and he said, peace be still, and instantly the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Now, there had been a great storm but when they called out to Jesus, there was a great calm. Bert, I've always, I've just kind of marveled. Verse 39 doesn't say it was calm. It says it was a great calm. Yeah. Amen. Uh, that encourages me. It does, <laughs> me too. But I want to go back. Jesus said, let us. Uh, that is it. Jesus is part of that us. I will see you through. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And so when he comes in the midst of the storm, he can bring that peace, that great calmness. And so, Alex, I, I love this story. It's one of the best ones. And, and I, I, I say that to those of you that are in the midst of a storm in your life right now. It may not be a wind storm, but it's a financial storm. It's a relationship storm. It may be a storm at your work uh, but I want to tell you, in the midst of the storm, Jesus Christ can bring his peace into your life. So we pray that you'll know he'll see you through to the other side. You know, Bert, whenever I, I read this account, I've got to remember uh, there's an old hymn. Some of you will know it. Some of you maybe haven't heard it. Jesus calls us o'er the tumult of our life's wild, restless sea. Day by day, his voice invites us, saying, Christian, follow me. Sometimes we are in a tumult of a 
wild, restless sea. But Jesus is the master of the storm and the master of the sea. He says, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Verse 41 of Mark 4, what kind of man uh, can control the wind and the sea? Only God. Amen. But that's who Jesus is. It is. And uh, can I say this before you get to chapter? Yeah, they, yeah, sure. They haven't seen anything yet. <laughs> they think oh, my goodness. A, they oh, thought yeah. feeding the 5,000 was something. They think this is something. But they haven't seen anything yet. And uh, so go ahead with chapter 5. Well, you know, you're going to see a progression here because, uh, okay, Christ can control the elements of the physical world. But now he's, we're going to see that he controls the, the elements of the spiritual world, too. And they came over to the other side of the sea. This is verse 1 of chapter 5. Into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the, the tombs. Okay, this guy lives in a graveyard, right? right? Among the tombs. I mean, and, you know, I've got to say this. Whenever I see people that are involved in, like, the occult or, or you know, death metal, heavy metal, death music, goth, the emo, black, you know, everything is about death. Satan's about death. Jesus is the Lord of life. But this man comes out. He lives in the tombs. Okay, verse 3, he had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not even with chains. Because he had often been bound with fetters and chains, and the chains were plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always night and day he was in the mountains, in the tombs, crying, cutting himself with stones. By the way, self-harm, cutting, there's nothing new. Bert, nowadays, uh, we've, we've counseled with families who have teenagers that cut themselves. That's not of God doing yourself harm. But when he sees Jesus afar off, he runs and worships him, and he cries out with a loud voice, saying, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. Now, Bert, um, the man runs to Jesus to bow down and worship, but the demon in the man cries out, Hey, what, what have I got to do with you, Son of the Most High God? Don't torment me not. And so we're going to see that Jesus delivers this man. And Jesus, yes, he had control over the storm and the elements. He has control over the, the demons in the supernatural realm as well. He really does. And again, the chains could not hold him. That That is amazing. We're looking at oh, yeah. more power than a man normally would have. But it's still greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. That power that he had was small compared to the power that's about to deliver him. And so that I want all those who are listening today, uh, yes, you may be struggling and there may be issues, but I'm telling you God is the one who is stronger that can deliver and will deliver. And notice the term, do not torment me. Now, again, you can't help but remember uh, in Luke when in, in hell, the rich man, he was tormented in torment. And same thought, this is the whole idea. And uh, so it is harsh. It is difficult. But he said to him, Jesus, come out of the man, unclean spirit. Jesus speaks directly to the demonic force that is in him, the demonic demon. Then he asked him, what is your name? And it, and he answered saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. Now, what? It wasn't just one. We're talking about multiple, multiple demons. We also know, you remember the man that had seven demons? Was it seven or six or five? And Jesus, the, mm -hmm. the man himself got rid of the demons. And those demons went out looking for a place to rest, could not find any. So they came back to the man, finding that man, what? Empty. And it says they mm -hmm. went back into him, and that man was worse off now than he was when he got rid of the demons. In other words, notice what Jesus is doing here. Come out of the unclean spirit. What is your name? And he begged him earnestly that he would not send him out of the country. 
Now a large herd of swine was feeding there near the mountains, and all the demons begged him, saying, Send us to the swine that we may enter them. Now, again, here's these demons. They have recognition of who Jesus Christ is. They have recognition of his power. They have recognition of what he can do. Alex, uh, you know, it reminds me of the book of James when it says even the demons believe in Jesus and they tremble. So here's evidence of it even Mm. here in the book of Mark, isn't it? Well, history tells us that a legion of Roman soldiers was 6,000 soldiers. I mean, this man might have been inhabited by as many as 6,000 demons. And, you know, by Bert, in response to what you're saying about the man that uh, was empty and the demons came back, see, here's the thing. There, there's no such thing really as a vacuum. And I'm not talking about the kind you clean the floor with. I'm talking about a truly empty space. And Jesus said, if you're not for me, you're against me. And if you're not full of truth, you're going to be vulnerable to error. If you're not full of Christ, you're going to be vulnerable to Satan. And if you're not led by the Spirit, you're going to get led by the flesh. Bert, um, th- there is no real neutral ground in this world. You know, um, that, that's why people, you know, they'll say, well, I just, you know, I, I'm going to suspend judgment. I don't really take a position on religion or whatever. No, if you don't know the true and living God, you are going to fall sway under falsehood, darkness, even Satan himself. That's why it is so important when you repent and turn to Jesus you stay with Jesus. You build your mind and your 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 beliefs on the Word of God because Amen. that is the true foundation. And so there's there's so many lessons in all of this, there is. even for us. Well, Alex, but, this reminds me of something. I want to get this in. It won't take me but a second. I was reading about Lou Wallace. He was the author of Being Her. Being Her. He, now, yeah. he had already written one program about the Magi coming to worship Jesus, but he was, quote, and I'm using the terms, neutral concerning Christ. And so he is at a theological discussion, and he said, I didn't enter in on it because I didn't know enough to enter in. And so he said, I I started, and this is when he was an attorney, and also he became governor, uh, the appointed governor of New Mexico Territory. And it took him seven years to write being her. But most of the time, he was doing research in the New Testament concerning Jesus because Jesus was always in the background. If you read that uh, uh, that novel or if you see the movie, you'll see that. But he came to know Jesus Christ, his Savior, as he was researching for the book, Ben-Hur. And when he was through mm. and he came to Christ, he was no longer, quote, he said, I'm no longer neutral. Now, I didn't say he was empty, but he was neutral, which way he'd go. And he came on the side of Christ. It's a great story. If you'll get into the Word of God and study the Word of God with an openness, willing, I want to tell you, I believe that most people will come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, Alex. Uh, indeed, indeed. Uh, and you know that that's the thing god god is going to judge us based on the response we gave to the truth that we knew and so if you know about jesus i mean my goodness uh do do the most wonderful thing really the most rational thing you'll ever do and that's put your faith in him and open your heart to jesus christ well the demons get thrown into a herd of swine and they they rush down the hillside and uh Jesus says, uh, go. Well, the, the, this is a miracle in itself. They come to Jesus, and they see the formerly possessed man sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. I mean, this is a guy that could break chains. No man could subdue this guy, this guy that was demon-possessed. And they that saw it told them how it befell to him that the one possessed by a devil, also concerning the swine that ran into the sea, Bert, I've never understood verse 17. They begin to pray for Jesus to depart from out of their coast. Now, why is that? I, let me give you a thought, and it's not original. I was reading and trying to research that. It's because of the finances. Now, these swine shouldn't have probably been there in the first place, you know, under that. In Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they shouldn't have been there. So financially, Jesus did something 
And what is it? The Bible says money is a root. It could be the root of all evil. And, you know, you touch somebody in the e- economic sense, uh, they if they don't have the spirit, they'll get out of here. We don't want any more of of this damage done to our, quote, economy. So, Alex, mm. I don't know if that had to do with it, but that was an interesting take that I got from one of the commentators concerning that. He pleaded, get, in, yeah. get out of our region. The other one was is because there may have been demonic leadership in those that were asking him to get out. Yeah. You catch what? Well, you know how that would work? Uh, this is an early example of cancel culture, isn't it? <laughs> That's good. Yeah, yeah when, when Christianity interferes with the uh, ill-gotten gains of people. But Jesus, all right, when, when the, let me read verse 18 and 19. When he was come into the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. In other words, let me join your ministry team. I want to come with you. Howbeit Jesus did not allow this, but said to him, Go home to thy friends, and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed, and the man told everybody about what Jesus had done. Now, Bert, when we find Christ and we get saved, and there's salvation that's common to all who will believe, but then there's deliverance. Some people get delivered from a lot of things. Aren't we like verse 19 of Mark 5, we're to go, tell those around us, and aren't we always to be telling what great things the Lord hath done for us? Amen. Now, don't miss this in verse 20. Uh, You'll you'll see the word decapolis, but it means 10 cities. It's 10 cities that were a area, we could say a region, uh, you know, a state, a part of it, and he made all of it known. He proclaimed it in decapolis all that Jesus had done. Now, he just didn't say one. It wasn't just two. If this, uh, and I believe it, he just went around. He became a traveling evangelist. He became an itinerant teacher, and they marveled because they had heard of this man because where it happened, where it happened was a place that, you know, people would share. You know, you're not going to keep this quiet about a man that lives in the tombs a man that we tried to chain and he broke loose. No man could tame him. But now that man is in his right mind and with thinking it clearly, uh, clothed, not naked, and he is not wild, and everybody's amazed. He, They marveled at such a work that God had done in his life. Amen. Maybe no man could tame him, but the Lord could. Amen. And you know what? <laughs> God can tame you, dear friend, and maybe somebody listening, you know you need to bring your life under the obedience and yield it to Christ. Well, this is Exploring the Word. We're going to come back in just a moment and take your calls and Bible questions. 888-589-8840. Call and you'll be at the head of the line of calls. 888-589-8840. Prior to birth, children need our help. Read A Pastor's Notes. God calls the church to stand boldly for life by Pastor Joseph Parker. We are called this day to stand for the innocent and speak out on their behalf. This collection of essays by Pastor Joseph challenges us to take a public stand to protect the lives of the unborn. A Pastor's Notes is available now at resources.afa.net. The body of Jesus Christ must speak up. Mom is a face washer, a coupon clipper, and a listening ear. She's a diaper changer, a laundry folder, and a mender of hearts. She's a master juggler of the jobs of the day. She's simply incredible and incredibly busy. At One Million Moms, we understand the hurried pace of the average mom. That's why we've made it so easy for you to take a stand against the trash that's in today's media. Visit OneMillionMoms.com. The following is not an actor, but a real-life story from Trinity Debt Management. I'm Corey, and this is my story. I was going through some financial troubles paying off my credit cards. I was paying high interest rates, and it just wasn't getting any better. And I knew I had to do something. So my mom told me about Trinity, and so I decided to call 
Trinity was able to do something that I couldn't. I'm paying off my debt, I'm saving thousands, and things are really looking up. I promise you guys, you will not regret it when you called Trinity because it was such a relief and less stress in my life and it was the best thing I could have done for myself because once I called Trinity, they took care of me and I felt such a relief, a weight off my shoulders and they are a Christian-based company. I love it. <laughs> if you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. I'm Corey and I'm debt-free for keeps. 1-800-788-1813. Professing to be wise, they became fools. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Current occupant of the vice president's mansion, Kamala Harris, was invited onto Stephen Colbert's floundering late-night television show. I'm sure you weren't one of the 12 people who saw it. But Colbert asked Ms. Harris what specifically her job was. After providing a word salad celebrating Joe Biden's performance, mm, right, uh, Colbert responded, uh, the question was, what's the job of the vice president? Harris's second non-answer follow-up showed she seems to have no idea what her job duties really are. For many, this is further evidence that she and Mr. Biden are merely frontmen. So who's really running the country? Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. 2 Corinthians 5.1 American Family Radio. Amen. What a song to sing coming back from the apostles being fearful in the boat. And uh, so uh, let's, let's be strong and have great courage. The Lord Jesus Christ has overcome death and sin. Alex, you ready to go to the phone lines? Yes, and that number, folks, if you've got a Bible question, we would love to hear from you. Maybe if you're a first-time caller, call in today, 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. And first of all, we're going to go to Linda in Texas. Linda in Texas, you're the first caller on today's edition of Exploring the Word. Hello. Linda? Yeah, go Welcome. ahead, Linda. Yes. Howdy. Okay. Hi. Um I was wondering, I was actually studying Mark 5 this morning, and, you know, uh, they told um, uh, Jarius and his crew not to tell anybody about the resurrection. But then they, he tells the demoniac to, uh, you know, go tell everybody what God's done for you. And I wondered why that was, and while I was waiting, it occurred to me, something occurred to me, but I'm not sure. What do y'all think? Okay, Linda, thank you. Alex, that has been uh, sometimes, Linda, it had to do with where he was and what frame of, of time you're looking at concerning his plans. And Jesus is always in control of him plans going to the cross. And Alex, do you think it mm -hmm. had that to do with it this time? Or do, do you think Decapolis, where it happened, the location had something to do with it? Well, you know, Bert, I'd read uh, Gadarenes, where this demoniac had been, was a majority Gentile population. And when he's more around Jerusalem, you know, to keep things on track so that the Jewish people wouldn't rush, hurry up, make him Messiah. I mean, everything had to be on track. And I think it was, I don't know, for lack of a better word, um, telling a Gentile audience, go tell what God has done for you that was less likely to disrupt the chronology of everything Christ had to accomplish. Um, you know, among a, a predominantly Jewish audience, the conflict between the people and the religious hierarchy, I mean, that was a flashpoint just ready to erupt at any moment. Wouldn't you agree, Bert? I agree, and earlier he had told one of the people he had healed, go show yourself to the priest, you know? And uh, that's mm -hmm. what he had told them to do and, and make an offering because he had not had to do it because he was a leper. That's what he said to the leper. But this time, no, 
uh, he told them. I think that's what it was, Linda, as best we can tell, because there is there is that. And you know there's no disagreement with the Lord, but I think that was the reason. Where to next? Uh, Don in Mississippi. Don, you're on Exploring the Word. What you got, friend? Hey, my man, I was just calling, and uh, I was telling the uh, the guy that was taking the message that the man that was in the tomb that Christ met and how after meeting Christ, how his life was totally, totally changed. Like you say, you know, everybody was afraid of this man, and they were scared because he was doing so many different things, and he was screaming and hollering and cutting himself. And when we look at our world today, we got a lot of people who are in the tombs, who are cutting themselves, who are doing all manners of things. But it was one thing about that encounter is that when he met Christ and Christ expelled the demons from him, the man was never the same. And it's the same thing with us. Amen. And when you truly meet Christ, you will never, ever be the same because I was there. I was one of them in the tomb mm. because the first time I got out of the military, I was just as crazy as he was out in the world doing some of any and everything. But once Christ met me in the tomb and delivered me, I've never been the same. Hallelujah. I ended up, I ended up going back in the military and spending 28 years in after I was delivered. So that was just my comment on that. Hey, I appreciate God, you guys taking my call. God bless you for Amen. that testimony, you, brother. You've blessed us today, brother. Thank you for calling. Go ahead, Alex. Wow. Oh, what a good testimony. Barry in Texas. Barry, welcome to Exploring the Word. Yeah, hi. I uh, just want to follow up on that uh, question about the demons and uh, the swine. Have you a theory on, for example, uh, why... Uh, Jesus cast the demons into the swine. There seemed to be almost an element of sympathy for the demons there. Am I correct, or is there another explanation for that? I I don't know if it's sympathy or not. Swine and demons, Alex, uh, and what happened mm. to them, it does show you this, that animals uh, without the swine, the demons being in them, they're okay for is what they're there. But Satan, he not only ruins human life, he he ruins all life. And it does demonstrate that. Go ahead, Alex. Well, and yeah, I mean, you know, I, I've, I've pondered on this a, a lot. Now, Jesus, you know, it said it was part of his ministry to fulfill all righteousness and the law. And, uh, you know, for an observant Jew to uh, um, <laughs> cause some swine to... To die, you know that uh, maybe that's in some indirect way appropriate. But I think about this too: um, the demons, they wanted to go somewhere, and they went into this herd of swine. And what do they do? Instantly, they rush down into the water and are drowned. It says they were choked. Verse thirteen: uh, Satan is all about killing, death, loss. You know, I mean, there's nothing. At the very least, we can conclude this. There's nothing Satan doesn't touch that uh, doesn't get destroyed. Isn't that something? It is. I mean, and at the very least, we ought to get as far from the devil as we can and as close to the Lord as we can, because anything Satan and his minions touch gets destroyed, in this case, a herd of swine. But, but thank you for that good question. Uh, Matt in Tennessee. Matt, I've got to ask you, where, are, where in Tennessee are you? Hi, brother. I am in West Tennessee, uh, just not far north of Jackson. Okay, okay. I know where that is. And Humboldt, are you near Humboldt, Tennessee? Yes, sir. Not too far, maybe 20 minutes. I'm, yeah. I'm kind of more in, in between Jackson and, and Dyersburg, just a little further north of, of close, uh, Jackson. Close yeah, to a place. Close, yeah, close to a place called Alamo. Alamo, Tennessee. I went to high school there. Amen. I love that. Hey, I love the name Alamo, well, well, Tennessee. Go ahead, Alex. Matt, a- April 21, come over to Paris, Tennessee, to the Truth for a New Generation Conference, and you'll meet Bert, 
and Abe Hamilton and myself and all of us. But uh, anyway, uh, what's your question today, Matt? Awesome. Um, so my question is concerning um, maybe consuming alcohol as a believer. Um, now, I know that personally I do not. I have in the past when I was younger. Um, and I know it just it doesn't look good on us. Um, and I actually shared a post this morning on social media, and it was Pastor uh, Adrian Rogers, and he was just sharing that he did not agree with drinking alcohol as a believer just because it, it would kind of hurt our testimony for others, and it could cause others to, to stumble, for instance. Um, and I shared that post, and I had several friends that, that commented, and some liked it and some didn't, uh, which is to be expected. But um, I've had some that, that would question that and saying, you know, it would be fine, you know, that Jesus, they, you know, he turned water into wine is the first miracle, and we, we know that. And, and we also know that those that might have been offended would probably take that statement and run with it. Um, but it didn't say that he, he partook, uh, that to, or to my knowledge, it didn't say that. And um, I just kind of want you to sh- shed some light on that as a believer. I mean, personally, I'm convicted over that, and I never have had an issue with drinking. I, I have in the past, but the Lord really and truly, and truly convicted me of that, and, and I laid that down, thankfully, and and um, you know, I haven't haven't looked back. But just if you would just shed some light on should we or shouldn't we, and if Jesus partook or if he didn't, or okay. or yep. how he would respond to yep. that. Thank you, Matt. Thank you for listening. Thank you for calling. Alex and I have talked about this, and this is one of those we get quite often. So you know, we we know that the Bible warns us completely, even against the use of alcohol in the Book of Proverbs. The Bible condemns drunkenness. Now, my point of view is if I don't partake, guess what? I won't be drunk. And so mm-hmm. I, I just stay away from it because um, I, I just, you know, every, and and again, I, I want to be as biblical as I can be, but at the same time, I want to look at what's happened every alcoholic drunkard that I know anything about has started with one drink. So if you don't start, guess what, Alex, you won't, you won't be a drunkard. You're, you're you? not ever going to find yourself. Yeah, yeah that's right. Exactly. But the Bible does Let me give you a couple the, of scriptures. The Bible does warn us against even the possibility of using it in the book of Proverbs. Go ahead, Alex. Well, Ephesians five eighteen uh, says, do not be drunk. Uh, but also, you know, First uh, Corinthians, I think it's First Corinthians ten twenty three that says all things are lawful, but not all things are beneficial, you know. And Romans fourteen twenty one tells us that we are to be mindful of those around us and not cause somebody else to stumble. So, you know, all those things, um, I think, give us enough to make a wise decision on that. Uh, and certainly abstaining. I believe is a wise decision, and there's too. no danger you're going to get it. Yeah, Proverbs. Uh, let's go Proverbs, Let me and, give Proverbs twenty three, yeah. twenty nine through thirty five. Uh, just mark that down. Proverbs twenty three, twenty nine through thirty five. Go ahead, Alex. We're in Arkansas with Emmett, and Emmett. Before you ask your question, Bert, I got to tell you this: we got um, over the weekend uh, a Facebook message from an Arkansas listener who uh, doesn't like us, Bert. And uh, anyway, but I bet he's listening. And um, I offered to fly to Arkansas and take him to lunch and meet with him. And he, uh, this person, he didn't want to give his name, but I know he listens. He's in Arkansas, and he's been fairly hostile to the gospel. But, sir, if you're listening, uh, we do care about you. We know Jesus is real. Jesus cares about you. And if I'm in Arkansas, in, in Rogers, Bentonville, Fayetteville, I'm going to be up there preaching this fall, probably. Do come out and let us meet with you. And uh, no harm, no foul. Uh, But if you're angry with Bert and I, it might be because deep in your heart, you probably know you do need the Lord, and the Lord cares about you, and so do we. But anyway, Emmett, when I saw that you're from Arkansas, I I thought about that. But what you got, Emmett? I guess it's, um, uh, I'm not mad at y'all, so i just let y'all know that. Uh, (laughs) Oh, good. I, kn- I know it's not you. <laughs> it's uh, once saved, always saved. In Re- Revelation uh, twenty-two nineteen says, 
if anyone takes away from the words of this book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. I am coming quickly. My guess, my question is: Is he talking when it says "take away your from the book of this prophecy"? Is that referring to Revelations, or is that referring to the whole Bible? Okay, Alex, don't have a lot of time. Go first. Uh, I'm going to say, even though John the Apostle on Patmos wrote this, I think, given the fact that Revelation is part of the canon of Scripture that is speaking about the entire Bible. And this is one of those things, um, I, I do believe in this eternal security of the believer, but the Bible tells us enough to give us confidence and assurance, but it also tells us enough to keep us on our toes. And uh, we're not to add to the Scripture, we're not to take away from the Scripture. And, uh, you know, I, I'm going to say I'm 90% sure in eternal security, but this is one of those things, Bert, if somebody were to apostatize and turn away and then deny key sections of the Bible and take away, you know, this is one of those verses that should give people pause Amen. to really think hard about what they say and do. Amen. If you're, if, if a person is listening today and they walk the aisle sometime and they profess Christ, they were baptized, but they have, their life has not been changed how does the God of the universe come into a person's life and that person's life not be changed? Alex, mm. uh, I, listen, make sure you're saved. That's the whole idea. Amen. Uh, if you were saved a long time ago, the Bible says examine yourself to make sure you're in the faith. Uh, make sure you're saved. Where to next? Uh, and, I, well, I, and I've got to say this, and we'll get one more call in, I believe, but liberal Protestantism in America, the liberal denominations that have undermined scripture this is very serious stuff because taken away from the word of god we're talking about the souls of people jeff in arkansas jeff uh go quickly uh, if you don't mind we're kind of running out of time but you're on hebrews ten twenty six. when one is struggled with an addiction there's the scripture saying if anyone goes on sinning willfully after having come to the knowledge of the truth there's only a fearful expectation of judgment and the fiery wrath to come is that mm -hmm. implying uh, um, unforgivable sin? Uh, you know, Bert, I think the key word, and I want you to comment on this, is, is willfully. You know, uh, struggling and, and going through detox and coming out of an addiction versus willful, deliberate disobedience. I, I really think there is a difference. Do you, Bert? There is a difference, and I have seen it up close and personal. When we started Celebrate Recovery at the church where I was pastoring, I saw people delivered immediately and salvation. And then I saw others, they were saved, they walked with Christ, but they had to struggle through it. Uh, that's, that's God's work in our life. Uh, but God's presence in our life brings the power in our life, Alex. It really does. Folks, thank you so much for listening to Exploring the Word. We're going to pick it up tomorrow in... Uh, Mark 5 again, about verse 20. But uh, tell somebody, if you would, about exploring the Word. But most of all, tell everybody about Jesus. And let me ask you, do be in prayer for our nation. Our nation needs a revival, Amen. and our prayers matter. So God bless you. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you again tomorrow on Exploring the Word. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.